1010 Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, hey, good evening. Uh, Happy Election Day Eve. Big day tomorrow for everyone in Toronto who, uh, including myself, will probably be kind of happy when all this campaigning is over. If you haven't already and you didn't get out to the advance vote, please, please vote tomorrow um and that's all i'm going to say about it that it's very important and uh you should make some time to get out there and vote Uh, i just returned from scottsdale arizona i got back late yesterday afternoon spent the week there with beautiful over 30 degree weather all week and it's not humid like it is in toronto like in toronto when it's 30 degrees or more you want to be inside because it's so sticky and humid and kind of um smoggy outside but in Scottsdale it was just okay it's a desert so it's drier but it was so gorgeous and I'd never I've never been to Arizona before so it was a it was a really great um trip that I had down there also you know having a week of sunny weather um made it feel like summer was just extended a little bit for me and I've always thought of Arizona simply as just the desert but you'd be amazed at all the the fruit and vegetables that grow there honestly I'll admit I didn't know much about Arizona I thought it was a desert I thought there was like some mountains and that there were a lot of cactus there but because this trip allowed me to go and visit some farms um, some amazing restaurants that really focus on local um, high quality ingredients and uh, I know a lot of friends when I told them I was going to Arizona even last week on the show when I mentioned I was going away Vinny asked me he's like what are you going to do there and I said I don't know I'm going to find out I'll tell you what I did I think I gained 10 pounds but I sweated off three of them because it was hot so I'm still up a few pounds from all the great food that I ate. And uh, I know a lot of people think of Arizona probably as like a spa and golf destination. Um, and a, a winter one there as well. A lot of Canadians go down and spend the the winter in Arizona as they should. It's the smartest thing that uh, you could ever do. But uh, it has a wonderful food and uh, wine scene. Great restaurants. I mean, seriously, Arizona produces some beautiful wine. And I'm telling you this because until I visited Scottsdale, I had no idea. So I'm assuming that some of you may not know this either, unless I'm just the last one to discover how tasty Scottsdale actually is. Um, I have a a guest in studio right now. I have Matt Bazzilli. I'm going to turn your microphone on. Here we go. Good evening. Good evening. Now, I just, I, I like that you're here and we're talking about food and uh this like eating trip that i just did because you've traveled a lot through north america not to arizona yet not arizona that was not on the uh on the list of places to check out but, but it yeah be. a lot of it should be you know my parents go quite often and my mom always raves about the beef she oh, yeah? says that like there's some amazing beef there which well i i, I like cow so you like- <laughs> <laughs> i'm pro cow i'm pro you're pro meat in yeah. general you're pro pork I you're am, pro bacon i am pro animal pro- um, but as long as it's been uh, ethically animalized, you know, yeah. that I'm <laughs> ethically raised, ethically raised yes. as, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. You know what? I visited this one place. It's called Sing Farms. They have this Saturday farmer. I'm a big farmer's market person, but you know that because as am I. Yes. I love a good farmer's and market. And I grew up at a farmer's market in Halifax. And I mentioned this often that my parents are still vendors at the Halifax farmer's market. So that's just been my life. Like, you know, growing up, we waking up at around, two in the morning on a Saturday and, and just going down <laughs> with my parents. And I was never very good hired help because my brother and I would get so distracted running around and going up to the the pastry maker and right. buying cookies my mom always my parents always joke that bringing us to the market um made them lose money yeah because we we're it's always costing me money yeah, <laughs> we we're always taking money out of the till right. 
and running around and like buying things that you know we probably didn't really need but buying treats right and buying little cookies and squares and stuff so there's one place we went to visit sing farms um they sell and grow chemical free produce on their 20 acres and it's like it's the place where residents go to buy their fresh fruit and vegetables and it's like the place where chefs in the area go as well and when you think of a farm you think of like standing and just looking over all these crops but it's got this like crazy canopy of trees and these winding little walking paths and these areas where they've set up like little chairs carved out of wood and it's just a really kind of beautiful little oasis and um they grow up you know it's cool for me because i grew up on you know in nova scotia and spent a lot of time in toronto is that we don't get to grow a lot of the tropical things right bananas so they grow bananas they grow pomegranates okra Lemongrass, like that's oh, cool wow. because I've never seen those things. You always see it wrapped in plastic at the grocery store. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of exciting because I'm like, oh, this is what okra looks like when it's growing. Oh, this is what a pomegranate plant looks like. Like those are things that I have never seen before. I know. You just assume this is, you know, you take things for granted. We were in uh, Southeast Asia. We, I was in the Philippines and Singapore, and they have uh, a fruit there called durian. And yes, it's it, a stinky fruit. It reeks. Actually, <laughs> Singapore has laws around it. Like, you can't eat it in public mm-hmm. spaces. Like, it's illegal to eat this fruit in public spaces. And um, I don't know, it kind of looks like a big yellow grapefruit, but when it's together and whole, it just looks like a massive bowling ball with spikes like yeah, you would like never know yeah fruit. It's you spiky. know what matt i realized i didn't properly introduce you you of course uh own fidel gastro food truck the food truck yeah and lisa marie restaurant lisa marie restaurant and you've got a new book out called the street food diaries irresistible recipes inspired by the street so now we, when we've been talking about you traveling around a lot of that was i guess research for the book right well it was actually it was funny um kai who's my partner in life and and business mm-hmm. uh who's also the photographer in the cookbook we were you know, on tour doing uh, shooting Rebel Without a Kitchen, which is our show on travel and escape. And it was at the same time that Penguin kind of gave us the green light to write a cookbook. So we we're like, hey, why don't we just do <laughs> even more with our <laughs> with our not so spare time? So we were like, OK, so in addition to the, the cook, uh, sorry, the restaurant and the food show and uh, the food truck and catering, which all came about in a very short period of time, I guess it's you know, what it's the company's three year anniversary on Tuesday. Wow, happy birthday, happy anniversary. Thank you. But that's a lot of things to accomplish in three years. A food truck that you launched, which you basically branded as Fidel Gastro. Correct, yeah. And a restaurant, which is doing very well. And then a TV show. TV show and and now now the book. I don't, I guess um, it's always, how do I put this? It's been a very natural growth for the company. We haven't Mm -hmm. rushed anything. In fact, sometimes we really feel like we take our time with the way we decide to to grow, but I know the book was a big one for us. I mean, once upon a time, I got an English degree and I worked as a copywriter. And you know, Kai was always you know took amazing food photography and the, just photography in general. Yeah, her photos are beautiful. She makes the whole book look a lot better. <laughs> no, you know, she makes people, me look a lot better. So I, I hate the term food porn. Like I really do, I don't like it, but yeah. I um I understand why people it's dirty. use it. It's dirty, um, and I think it's overused, right? So, but this book really is food porn like i don't even know what half these recipes are i just went through and just like looked at these photos and they make my heart beat faster and they make me salivate i get very excited i feel like everyone that's picked up the book is actually pleasantly surprised with it like they're like they're like oh wow it actually looks good are they nervous yeah it's like what do you think we're gonna do you know and i think um no matter what part of the business we decide to tackle uh we always make it you know 
our brand has a very distinct look, feel, vibe, energy, and the book had to be exactly that. You know, yeah. it had to be a very unique cookbook. It had to have our voice, our energy, and really feel like it was part of the you know Fidel Gastro experience. And I think we, I'll be honest, I think we kind of nailed it right on because it doesn't read like your everyday cookbook you know if you know who if you know me personally Mm -hmm. you'll read some of the stories and be like yeah it feels like matt is you know reading it out loud a la robert munch to you know and uh the the shots that kai you know went with are very gritty there's nothing perfect about anything uh that's in in the shot Mm -hmm. and that's kind of us you know that's kind of our company and uh, I think, you know, everyone's like, oh, what's next now? We're, n- we're not too sure. You yeah. know, we just want to keep growing in a healthy, positive way. And things have evolved quite naturally f- for the company. Like you said, you know, things, uh, the cookbook would have been difficult for that to come first, to come before the restaurant, to come before the food truck. So it seemed natural that after, you know, having a few menu items and knowing right. what's popular, that, well, now people should be able to recreate some of those favorites. Yeah, and I think we try to invent everything. You know, I think if you're going to do a cookbook, you have to do one of two things. Either invent dishes all the time or make the very best, you know, spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. So it's got to be one or the other. You have, either have to be the best in your field or just put something out there that's so unique that really makes people go, wow, like, you know, what's a street food cookbook? This is a street food cookbook. You know, we're literally, you know, taking street food as a style of cooking and finding a way to kind of formalize it a bit. Now, when you say street food, um, I'm very com- I'm very familiar with the term. Not everyone is, right. but that's sort of, um, people think hot dogs when they think street food. Unfortunately, I mean, I think, uh, especially, you know, in Toronto specifically, street food is something that's very new to our uh, culinary lexicon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, like I said, we traveled Southeast Asia, street food is everywhere. So, I mean, I think the best way to describe it is that it's like the food of the people. It really helps give you a clearer picture as to the culture around you. And if you think about it, Toronto has all the makings to be one of the most uh, impressive street food cities in the world because we have so many cultures to draw from. Yeah. And, you know, we'll have people, I think you'll see it in our restaurant menu a lot more. People will come in and be like, wow, you've pulled from Italian and Latino and Mexican mm-hmm. and North American. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, what kind of restaurant is this? I'm like, it's a Toronto restaurant, you know? <laughs> That's <laughs> a very good description. Uh, Matt, you're going to stick around. We're going to talk a little bit more about your new cookbook, Street Food Diaries. Uh, my guest right now, Matt Bazzilli from Fidel Gastro's and Lisa Marie Restaurant out on Queen Street West. If you haven't popped by, you should make a point of it. We'll be back uh, after this a quick break. is the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome back. Um, you know what? Before I continue, I would love to get your text, 71010. Text in and uh, tell me the worst thing you ever got while you were trick-or-treating for Halloween. I put this up on Twitter and Facebook earlier today. I've got some good ones, and I would love to talk about it later in the show. So text in 71010. Uh, tell me what terrible, memorable treats you got while you were trick-or-treating. My guest in studio right now is Matt Bazzilli, who owns uh, Fidel Gastro Food Truck, also Lisa Marie Restaurant out on Queen Street West. It's what, Queen and... Queen and Palmerston, Queen Bathurst okay. area. Yeah, not too far west. The old Prague Deli, which was an institution right. in Toronto. Yes. Our and landlords you've... are still the old owners. 
Are they really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Do they pop by and eat sometimes? All the time. Oh, they don't eat. They just pop by. <laughs> they don't eat. I'll see them coming in the back just kind of sweeping. I'm like, okay. <laughs> they, should, they should sit down and have something. Yeah. I think it's a little like the bench, like the high bar stools and the, you know, they miss Prague, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not quite the same. Um, and you just released a cookbook called Street Food Diaries, Irresistible Recipes Inspired by the Street. And it is a very bright, colorful, kind of... Um, gritty looking book. It is gritty. It's rough. Yeah. Know? It's tough. But like, <laughs> but at the same time, like gritty and rough in a just a natural way. Like this is how food looks when you get it. You know, from a street food vendor. Right. I think we try to have uh, a lot of fun with the book in every respect of the word. You know, whether the way the way we we plate things or the way they were shot, the way we talk about them, uh, the way I describe the way you eat it, and mm-hmm. even the whole preparation. If you're not having fun. With the food, then why are we even here? You know, why are we doing this? So let's talk a bit about the food that you're known for. And we'll go back a little bit. You were uh, saying that uh, this Tuesday will be your three-year anniversary. Three years. And Crazy. Which is, seems very quick. But I feel because, like I've aged a lot. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. You probably have because you haven't slept a lot in the past three years. But you were in, a, like, you had an office job before yeah. that. It wasn't that you went to school for cooking or any sort of culinary training. It wasn't no. like this was your ambition from the time you were 17 or 18 years old after high school. How did this come about? Uh, yeah, I was a copywriter uh, before this, and I've got a couple degrees under my belt. And, I, you know, I worked in butcher shops uh, growing up. I worked at Bruno's Fine Foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, I always loved food. It was never a matter of taking that love and making a career out of it because I was like, well, I don't really feel like working in a in a in a kitchen mm-hmm. like it's not really you know working as a line cook it wasn't not that there's anything wrong with it i just it wasn't calling me it no, wasn't I, your passion no i loved ideas though i loved coming up with really big ideas and trying to find ways to you know mass articulate something into into an idea something creative mm-hmm. and advertising just kind of made sense at that point in my life so i got into advertising and then the recession hit and I ended up uh, getting a job at McEwen's at the shops at Don Mills. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I worked there for like six months maybe in the mm-hmm. meat department. And I remember uh, meeting Mark, and I'm still good friends with Mark. And I was just like, wow, this guy is way more than just someone who cooks food for a living. Mark McEwen is quite an entrepreneur. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, say what you will, I think he is, uh, I don't know, a staple. Mm-hmm. And the first real... I think food icon in this city that really took it from you know a restaurant mm-hmm. to uh, a food brand, and mm-hmm. I was like, this is interesting. This is something to keep my eye on. So that's when I really started to develop my own kind of ideas about mm-hmm. well, what would a world of mat and food kind of look <laughs> like? Because I not I knew I wasn't that. Like that wasn't right. what I ever wanted to be as far as uh, the style of food that Mark prepared. I think fine dining um, is one. You know, I have so much respect for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, molecular gastronomy, I have so much respect for that. There's mm-hmm. just not my, it's not my thing. It's yeah. not what I did. I just like to, to cook food and have fun with it. So Now, does it, did it start, did the seed get planted because of sandwiches? Was there something to do with sandwiches that sort of started off this path, but it didn't quite go the way you thought? Like, you thought about opening a sandwich shop. That's exactly it. I thought about opening up a, a, a place called Fidel Gastro's, which was a sandwich shop. I picked sandwiches because... Um, I think the sandwich has been bastardized a little bit. I mean, we've seen a lot of 
crappy things go into sandwiches, but we make them a foot long and say, hey, it's good. Yeah. Eat it. More the better. Yeah, the more the better. It's mm-hmm. like, mm, not I really. Like <laughs> you know, I don't that you're just eating a lot of bad stuff yeah. versus, you know, less bad stuff. So I think, uh, and sandwiches are very mobile because street mm-hmm. food should be mobile. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick my thing. I'm going to go after sandwiches uh, and I'm going to do it, just, you know, put my little unique spin on it. And that's, that's what we did. But obviously, uh, Never owning a business before, I, I obviously couldn't afford to do that. Mm-hmm. I had no, uh, you know, equity. I had no property. I had no investments. You're a young, well, you're a young guy. So at this time, would you have been in your mid twenties? I was twenty six. Okay. Twenty five, twenty six. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm debt free. I got ten grand. Yeah. What more could you need? I can open up a shop in downtown Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you want it? Yeah. Want it right outside City Hall? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Perfect. No. So. Uh, I went to the bank and uh, the bank guy was like, you're not financially viable. Those were his exact <laughs> words to me. I was like, ouch. <laughs> so I, I thought, you know, okay, dream's over. Uh, we got to start from scratch. I'll go back mm-hmm. to work tomorrow. Like nothing happened. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of weeks went by and I was at a, I was at a party. One of my best friends, the drummer from down with Webster. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a party out at the beaches and, one of the guys was like, yo, Matt, why don't you just cook something? So I started cooking at this party. And very quickly, I noticed the process of putting food together mm-hmm. for everyone was became a, like another extension of the party. Mm-hmm. Like there was the bar, there was the DJ, there was the food. And I was like, maybe that's the business. If I can't actually open up a place and call it Fidel Gastro's, why don't I just kind of embody that? brand and bring it with me to different places and be mobile yourself. and be mobile yeah. and that's literally what the pop-up uh origins of our company were like we took a table we took food we brought elvis and we would bring a lot of energy and music and we'd shout and yell we'd have a lot of fun and we used social media to kind of let people know where we were and we made a lot of good friends like steam whistle brewery would have me out like you know once every couple of weeks we did some pop-ups at the drake hotel mm-hmm. And things just started, obviously, the Toronto Underground Market. So yeah. things started to really pick up. I remember looking at Kai and being like, you know, we looked at our March schedule, which was like four events. And we looked at our April schedule, which was like 32 events. Oh and we gosh. were like, I think we might have a business now. Yeah. And uh, that turned into the truck. The truck became like the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that then fell into the restaurant. And then the restaurant became, you know, we got another season of the show and then the cookbook. And catering is a huge part of the company now. Like it's actually it's actually become my favorite part of the company because I love like weddings. We do food truck weddings yeah. or oh, street food weddings. And I love trend. doing them. I, I noticed that a lot of weddings now, they like to bring out the food truck. If not for the main meal, then for like the midnight snack right. after people have been dancing and, and drinking. And it's fun because it's food that people can hold. There's still some. There's still that fun appeal of getting something tasty off right. of a food truck. Now, I want to um, just have you quickly mention the kind of food that you do because you were inspired by your Italian background. Correct. And uh, your grandfather. My grandfather. My, uh, my no-no. Mm-hmm. Huge, uh, huge part of my life. I uh, learned everything I know from this person. And not just like, you know, I learned how to be a person, essentially. You know, he uh, taught me from a very young age how to do everything and that uh, nothing is given to you in this world. And you, if you want something, you have to work hard for it. So he always used to tell me to work hard and be smart. And that's <laughs> kind of the four words that I live by, because mm-hmm. if you're not doing those two things, then, you know, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing here if you're not working hard or being smart? What are you <laughs> Go get a job. 
It's great advice. Um, I like this part in your in your book. Now, the great thing about your cookbook is it's got these um, wonderful recipes, uh, 85 recipes, I believe, but also in between you've peppered it with some stories and also stories of your travels. So you went all over North America. So obviously Toronto, Boston, New York, LA, you were in Texas, New Orleans. You went to all these places and you checked out their street food scene. Right. And you gleaned inspiration from that. And that's why you're, when I was flipping through the book, I'm like, you know what, this kid's Italian. But in here, he's got like all these things featuring kimchi flavors and you've got barbecue, Southern barbecue in there. And curry and, and Thai inspiration. Um, and you've kind of melted it all together, but with your own unique little twist on it. I think, yeah, I mean, I love all food. Uh, I will try anything uh, as far as eating food. And like, I was in the Philippines, I ate balut, and I don't think I'll ever do okay. my own version of balut, but I mean. I will, I I only learned what balut was this past year. Um, so let's just quickly tell everyone what it is. It okay. is an egg with a embryo, so it's With an, a duck inside of it still. Yeah, so it's a fertilized egg. Correct. Um, so with a like, Tiny little fetus There's a in it. Tiny little duck in it. Yeah, and it's boiled or I don't know, pickled brine. Pickle. I think you're right. It's kind of because there was a saltiness to it. Okay. I, and it well, was. You ate it. You know, and here's the thing. Like they uh, they dared me to eat it, and I thought it was uh, you know rude if I had said no. So mm -hmm. I ate it, and they're all laughing at me. I'm like, what? I'm assuming maybe people don't actually eat this thing. <laughs> it's just a dare. It's a trick. Yeah, it's just a trick. But uh, but I guess back to your point, like. I love food. Um, I love all types of food. And I think uh, because I have no formal training in cooking, it allows me to just say, you know what, this flavor and that flavor, they go together. And if they don't, I'll find a way to make it work. And this idea, they've been doing it this way for so long. Let's just deep fry it and see yeah. what happens, you know. And <laughs> Well, you just, uh, you just mentioned deep frying. And I was going to say that a lot of the thing, you're not afraid of the fryer at all. No, there's a whole chapter in deep frying. Well, and I just want to mention some of the recipes in your cookbook just to kind of um, – pique people's interest. There's the peanut butter cookie fish and chip sandwich, yep. which doesn't sound very good, but I think probably is very good. The new uh, the New York meatball deep fried pizza. Maple habanero turkey wings. That sounds delicious. Uh, snow crab pogos and pad thai fries, which is one of your staples, one of your most popular dishes. A lot of people gave us a hard time about, not a hard time, but they're like, I can't believe you put the pad thai fries in the cookbook. And I'm like, why not? You know, like just put it out there. Let people see... Uh, exactly what it takes to make pad thai fries it's like five ingredients so you know um and i'm not that kind of that's why i don't even really call myself a chef i'm not that mm. kind of food entrepreneur where i feel like all my all the things have to be kept close to us you know like no let people see it it's i fun. think you know what i what i like about you is you've got your energy and, and you're creative and i think you've been smart with how you've grown the brand you probably had no idea it was going to be like this three years later okay. but you know you're you're drawing audiences and and people are excited but i think also you don't take your food too seriously and that's kind of nice as nice as it is to have some fine dining right uh it's also nice to be a bit playful with food um so thank you so much street food diaries irresistible recipes inspired by the street is out now makes a great holiday gift that's what i keep saying to people it does, <laughs> it does. it's weird talking about the holidays but it does i know it's coming up soon in two months uh matt thank you so much matt bezali from uh, fidel gastro food truck also lisa marie restaurant which is at queen and palmerston be sure to check them out if you're in toronto thank you so much for joining me thank you pay it's been great uh coming up after the break if you've got kids you're probably thinking about the sugar rush that you'll meet on friday and the days that follow nutritionist Teresa albert will have some tips on making halloween a little better for you and your kids you're listening to the pay chan show here on in-depth radio news talk 1010 
You're listening to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Paychen.com is the website if you want to catch up on previous shows. I always put the podcast up there, uh, usually the, the next day. So by Monday afternoon, the podcast is up. So please go and uh, check it out and listen to some other shows. Also on Twitter and Instagram, at Paychen. Very easy to find me. Now, Halloween, I just I feel like it just kind of creeped up. It's just days away. Luckily for a lot of people, I think, perhaps, uh, it's on a Friday. So that means, uh, I guess, an extra late night of trick-or-treating and staying up a little longer to eat uh, mini chocolate bars. Now, my next guest has been accused of giving out whole wheat crackers for Halloween. Nutritionist Teresa Albert is here with advice on making Halloween just a bit better for you and your kids. Teresa, is that a true rumor? I know. Isn't that horrible? I was listening to you talking about people and the things they got in their bags that were just horrid. And yeah. yes, it's true. I am I am still teased in my neighborhood that I gave out little packages of whole wheat crackers. That's for, terrible. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm terrible. What are you but giving I out ha- this year? I have better solutions. <laughs> this year, I'm probably giving out um, Nature's Path Granola Bars. Okay. The, the, yes, I've, but I can't go all the way to those little chocolate things. No. Okay, so you're halfway there. But I, honestly, crackers, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I know. I know it's a terrible idea. But you can give out pencils or, you know, erasers or, like, it doesn't have to be candy. No, you're right. You know, and I and like you said, I was asking listeners, and please text in seven ten ten. Tell me the worst thing you ever got uh, while you were trick or treating during Halloween. And Teresa, a couple of people said pencils. Uh, oh, did they? It doesn't did they rank say it very crackers, though. <laughs> I know it's like well, which the lesser of two evils? I'm not yeah. sure. Um, yeah, but I guess the thing is, is sort of navigating Halloween. Like as a kid, I didn't have parents that really paid attention to what we got. They were so busy, they just left us alone. But my friends, they had parents who went through all of their candy and then, like, rationed it for them. Yeah, yeah, which isn't a bad idea. But when we look at Halloween as a whole, really we want to minimize the damage. So, you know, we Mm -hmm. have a couple of techniques to do that. One is, what do you feed them before they go out? Oh, I never thought about that. Right? So you want to fill them up and you want to, you want to feed them well. There's a couple things. Um, cheese will actually coat the teeth, so that's protective. But there's also a product called Xyla. Have you heard of Xyla? No. Okay. It's like Xylophone, XY. And it's actually, a, um, it prevents cavities. It's, it's a sugar substitute. So there are lollipops made with Xyla that you can suck on. And what the Xyla does is it changes the pH of the mouth. So that the sugar that you do eat doesn't do the same damage. It does 80% less damage. Okay. Or they have a mouthwash and a toothpaste. So, you know, you want to talk about prevention before this stuff even gets to your bag or your door. Right, right. Okay. And then once it gets to the house, you, I believe we need to negotiate. My kid was always more into the money than the candy. Mm, yeah, money's a good motivator. It's a really good motivator. Go out and get as much candy as you can get. Yes, honey, go trick-or-treating. And then when she would bring it back, she would you can go through and separate out the bags. There's seven bags. Pick seven treats for each bag, mm-hmm. one per day. Put them in the bags. And then I will buy the rest of you. And then we negotiate. <laughs> I will buy it. We negotiate. Ten bucks? What do you want? Okay, 15? Okay, fifteen fifty. Like, she would negotiate, and every year it went up. She would rather have the money than that candy that wasn't her favorite anyway. You know, I I know that some dentists, and it's kind of caught on, I think, nationally or in North America anyway, there are some dentists who buy children's Halloween candy at a dollar a pound. 
Wow. Um, I've heard that's the going rate, but it just seems like not very much because I just think that to make 20 bucks, that's an awful lot of candy. But maybe to like a six or seven year old, 10 bucks is is a lot. It is a lot of money. And they like seeing it, especially if you put it out in you know, loonies and toonies and fives <laughs> looks like more. Yeah, it's true. So it, it really is about management. And, you know, for moms and dads, we don't actually want that stuff in the house because it's tempting for us, too. That's my, that was going to be my next point, which is that um, people stock, some people stock up a little bit early. So maybe a week before, two weeks before they're out mm-hmm. um, and yeah. they see a sale on the, you know, box of 50 bags of mini chips or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are doing it the day of Halloween, which I almost think is smarter because then it's not in the house. But yeah. then you're running around to like Shoppers Drug Mart and trying to find uh, <laughs> where you can get like bags of, of mini chocolate bars. The, yeah. But the thing with having it around in the house is that you start snacking on it and I do, well, I live in a condo so I don't give out treats for Halloween, but the times that I've gone to visit um, a friend's place, because I enjoy handing out candy. I love seeing yeah. the kids come by with their costumes. Me too. I look at crackers don't do it. No, and I look at my little pile that I'm snacking on as I'm waiting for the kids and then I think well this is just a small bag and and it sometimes they say like 100 calories on it yeah. um yeah. and I look down the floor and I've got like I've gone through six mini bags of chips and like eight right. different bars of uh, mini chocolate bars and they're all different that's the thing and they're teeny tiny and they don't seem like it but they really add up and remember the World Health Organization says that we're supposed to have a maximum of six teaspoons of sugar a day well. So that was your in your coffee, that was in your blah, 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 blah. And then you get to those mini candies, and there's six yeah. teaspoons per candy. No, is that, a, is oh, that yeah. a joke? Oh, yeah, there's like four, five, six. I mean, it depends on the candy. Right. But there's a lot of sugar in that little pile. So that is affecting your health. I'm a big fan of sugar. I love chocolate. I don't want to poo-poo the whole thing. Yeah. But I do think we need to minimize it. It is a fake holiday. <laughs> It's not. It's the not same. a religious holiday, is it? <laughs> it yeah, it's it's kind of fake. Yeah. Um. And, and I know the fun is in the community and going out and doing it, but really this stuff is trash, and that's the way it should be treated. So if we are stocked up for Halloween already, we've still got a couple of days left before we start handing it out. Yeah. So that means a couple more days for us to be sneaking to, to a few. eat it. Yeah, to yeah. eat it. To eat it on the way by. I know. Really, in weight management, this is what we talk about. It's all about creating systems. So in weight management. You want to manage as many systems as you possibly can. And that means, you know, being consistent with breakfast, being consistent with lunch, and making it impossible for you to have the things that you shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. If you want, if you really want a chocolate bar, put on your boots and go to the store and get it. If it's in your house, that's too much work. Yes. So you won't. Exactly. (laughs) If If the temptation is out of your house, if it's in your house, you will eat it. Uh, what do you think about giving out toothbrushes at Halloween? I, that was also yeah. on the a couple of people have identified that as something they remember getting while they were trick or treating. Yeah. Now, as an adult, I actually think that's an that's a good idea. Well, I think it helps. Remember, it's all about the message with children, mm-hmm. about the visible message. So you know, you can see that you have all this stuff, but you, there's a responsibility that goes with this stuff. Now, because of my reputation in the community, I you've will got not a terrible. <laughs> Terrible reputation. Has your house been egged? Uh, no. Well, no, I but I have shut off the lights and hidden in the basement on occasion. <laughs> but no, I won't be the one giving out a toothbrush, but I would applaud anyone who does. <laughs> because really, you know what? It's a bag of candy. Yeah. And to see that visual reminder that you have to protect your teeth and that protects your health, you know, keep the da- dental cavities low, all of that 
matters and the message matters for kids. You know what? As a child, I had terrible teeth. I ate a lot of candy. Mm-hmm. And kids don't really brush their teeth very well. So sometimes I'd no. fake it. I would just wet my toothbrush because I knew my mom I knew that my mom would touch my toothbrush at night to see if I'd brush my teeth. So oh, I learned to just funny. run it under the tap when I didn't want to brush my oh. teeth. And uh, and so when I think of Halloween and candy and I don't I don't have kids, but I, I always think, how would I handle this? Because I love sugar. Yeah. But at the same time, I have memories of my my parents being distraught over my dental bills. Yeah. Dental bills and, you know, what it looks like and feels mm-hmm. like and the trauma of having someone drill inside your mouth. Yeah. And really, you, you want to prevent that. And that's all about changing the pH in your mouth. It's all about making sure that whole, I mean, that's the entry point of your body. Yes. Everything goes in there and goes through there. So, it's, you know, you want to keep that, the message clear mm-hmm. and the mouth clean. Okay. Good tips. Thanks so much, Teresa. You're very welcome. And uh, have a good Halloween and I hope your house is safe. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's nutritionist Teresa Albert. If you want to find out more, her website is myfriendinfood.com. Uh, just a reminder, we'd love to hear from you. Send me a text, 71010. Let me know the worst thing you ever received during Halloween. So far, apples are high on the list, as are toothbrushes and cans of pop. Those things are heavy. When we come back, there's a new reason to visit Prince Edward County, and it includes delicious food and maybe even a comfy bed. You're listening to The Page Hen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. You're listening to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. I like that song selection, and Elliot is grooving to it. Elliot, of course, my technical producer, who chooses all the music. Thank you very much. Uh, if you're looking to get away without getting too far away, and I've started doing this a bit more the past uh, two years. Sometimes I don't always have the funds or the time to get away on a big trip. But I can get away for maybe a day or two or a weekend. Uh, Prince Edward County is actually a great option. Now, I've been there once, very briefly, and that was only to see the uh, new Drake Devonshire location in Wellington. And on the line, I have head chef Matt DeMille. Hey, Matt. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm guessing, did I pull you away from dinner service? Uh, no, no, it's fine. You know, the, the crew, they got it. Uh, we're having a nice little steady night. Oh, good. I love, uh, and of course, salt <laughs> and pepper was on. So anytime for you and salt and pepper. Well, you know, there's always time for a little grooving, right? <laughs> exactly. uh, so now tell us about what's happening in Prince Edward County, because I'm guessing a lot of people aren't aware that you've opened up a new Drake, because there's the one that people are familiar with on Queen West, which has been around for 10 years, yeah. the new Drake 150 restaurant in the financial district. But now this one is just a little out of the city. A little bit of this, we're about to, uh, two hours east. You know, we're mm-hmm. right uh, uh, Toronto and Ottawa, just south of Belleville, about half an hour. And, and, and within a year, oh. it's uh, a cute little inn, Drake Devonshire. Mm-hmm. You know what, Matt? You're cutting in and out a little bit. Okay. Sorry. It, that's Sorry, okay. Um, yeah, so we're and uh, we're just out in Prince Edward County. We mm-hmm. we refurbished, uh, renovated this uh, lovely little inn and uh, and and Drakeified it. I guess you know we have a great menu, beautiful view, uh, really well curated uh, small place. So it's the kind of place where you might go and spend a night or two, and because exactly. you've got the rooms there, and I, I did have a peek of them um, when you did a little media preview, and they're really beautiful. 
yeah, beautiful little rooms. Um, you know, you could choose anything from just a small little crash pad with a great view, uh, a great skylight view. But we also have a, a large, uh, up to a large uh, executive suite, which overlooks the uh, the lake. Big, beautiful uh, bathroom. Um, and it's great. One one night, or if you know, we've had people stay up to four, five, six days, and you just really get to know them really well. And it's sort of everything in one package. You have the, the nice rooms. You have the games room, the restaurant, the patio, the fire pit, all in one place. Now it's uh, I now let's talk a little bit about the food because that's what you're responsible for and mm-hmm. a little bit about what is what surrounds you in Prince Edward County because I having not been there before wasn't aware that there was so much out there. There's so much out here, you know, we we have Anything you need, anything you need. You know, we have, there's a rabbit farmer, there's a beautiful lamb, uh, of course, beef and chicken, and also uh, farmers uh, that grow everything, everything that pertains to to Ontario. And Mm -hmm. and you really notice how fast the seasons go by when you're so close to to the farmers. And you're you're serving a lot of, uh, I guess, local food and produce? A lot of local food and produce. And that's a good thing. You know, when you're so close to these, these farmers, you can really sort of change the menus, the blackboard uh, every day. You know, like right now, of course, uh, squash and cabbage are really big. So we have, mm. a, you know, a nice cabbage soup on the menu or, or butternut squash. You know, it, it's, it's, we're really lucky in that aspect. Now, who are most of your, I guess, where are a lot of your customers coming from? Are they from Prince Edward County area? Are they driving up from a nearby city? We, yeah, we, you know, we have a lot of people from Ottawa and Montreal, of course, Toronto. Mm-hmm. They're, they're coming in on the weekends, you know, hitting up the, the big wineries. They'll come here uh, and they'll enjoy, you know, some brunch and they'll sit by the water with a coffee or a glass of wine. And during the week, we have locals who come in. You know, we do, we do play all the, the Habs games. Jeff <laughs> is, uh, he is from Montreal, so we do have all the Habs games on. Mm-hmm. And locals coming in just to have a glass of wine or a beer and, and to enjoy a burger and, and they'll head out and walk home. Um, what I love about the area as well, I didn't realize, is that just there are a lot of wineries there. So if people wanted to make a day trip or weekend trip, there's a lot of things to do around um, the Drake Devonshire Inn. And then, of course, you've got a great place to stay and, and grab breakfast. Um, thanks so much, hey. Matt. Looking forward to joining you there uh, sometime, I guess, when the weather gets a bit colder. <laughs> a little bit colder. Yeah, yeah, the snow will be here. We'll have it all decorated and we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you. All right. Thanks, Matt. Wicked. Thanks, Faye. Cheers. That's the head chef of the Drake Devonshire, drakedevonshire.ca, if you want to find out more. It is a really beautiful property. Vinnie White, of course, now in studio with me, making notes, looking very studious and prepared for his own show, which is coming up at 9. Uh, do you want to talk about what's coming up? Nah. Okay, then let's talk about Halloween. Oh, I should say it's really good, though. I'll just do that and leave an air of suspense. Okay, what do you Ooh. want to talk about Halloween? Well, I was asking uh, people to text in 71010, and uh, we have time for a quick call, too, if someone wants to call in 416-872-1010 or star 8255 on your cell phone. And I was talking about the worst thing you ever got while trick-or-treating at Halloween. And I put it up on Facebook and Twitter, and I love the responses that have been coming in because I actually forgot about a lot of the stuff that I used to get as a kid. So pop ranked up there very highly as something that you didn't want to get as a kid because it was so heavy. Mm. And you're running around from house to house, you're trying to maximize your time, and that weighs you down in your pillowcase. A lot of people have said um, they don't like getting apples. I remember people handing out bags of homemade popcorn, and you would just throw that out. Like, I figure people by now know that you shouldn't give out homemade treats because you're a stranger to that child. Someone else uh, wrote in and said they got <laughs> the worst thing they ever got, a potato. <laughs> you know what that is? That's called being unprepared for trick-or-treaters. I quite like that. You're never going to see them again. That's uh, someone that just spites it. That's like the Scrooge of Halloween. You know, and
and someone wrote on Facebook and said that uh, someone gave her kids alcoholic drinks. Is it wrong? And I said, that's a very expensive treat. Mm. So they got, yeah, they, they were given alcohol. Someone else. They were uh, 26, of course. <laughs> Alyssa said she actually got razor blades. I don't know if she meant like to shave her legs with. <laughs> um, like, you know, you look like a hairy young girl. Here mm. you go. Here's a little uh, razor blade. How about this one? Um, oh, someone got bi- a Bible verse printed on a little card. Mm. As a, that's not right. Any chance? Spread a bit of religious propaganda. They could have. They could have put it in a bag of candy, couldn't they? Really? <laughs> yes. Uh, did you guys have little boxes that you asked for donations for UNICEF when you were a kid? Are you talking about British people? Yeah. Yes. So you would go around and ask, which they don't do anymore. I guess they do the donations online. Mm. But uh, I remember going around with my little box, and you'd be so excited that at the house somebody might put in like a quarter or put in some dimes. Mm. Um, and. I remember that we had to bring them those boxes back to school, right? You had to bring the money back. And not everyone at that age understood that because some kids never brought the boxes Oh, they understood school. it. But <laughs> they also understood the need to buy a new skateboard, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I have a confession to make on that. There's a thing similar in the UK called Comic Relief. And I once did a charity event at school when I was 13. And got I raised about a hundred pounds. It's about two hundred bucks. Wow, it was really good. Yeah, and I spent nearly all the money on me. I know it's well, and the reason I can say this and not feel terrible is I paid it out. I paid it back in double three years later when I realised what a little bastard I was. Yeah, you kept the charity money. I kept the charity money and I kept the guilt, and then I did something about it years later to the same charity in double, which is the least I could do. Uh, my parents once not to infor- reinforce any stereotype. This was I was so horrified by this. My parents gave out fortune cookies, <laughs> and we were the only Asian family in that entire area. We were the only Asian kids at our school, and my mom bought a box of fortune cookies. And not only did she didn't want to be bothered giving them out, she put them at the end of the driveway and let kids help Shut themselves. Shut up. Yep, that's right. <sighs> Anyway, have a great night, everyone. Paychen.com for the website and podcast. Vinny White is coming up next. It's going to be a good show. When I said shut up, I didn't mean finish your show. It's coincidence, right? I'm not actually finishing it early, am I? We're finishing it and I'm shutting up. Both of those things. But don't shut up forever. And have a happy Halloween, everyone. Don't give out uh, pencils and don't give out cans of pop or homemade treats. Or chlamydia. Chlamydia.